Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the club that you're going to want to join. We're the voice of red disease and this jingle doesn't rhyme. NordPod, NordPod, NordPod. My name is Matthew Zachary, and welcome to NordPod, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Now, I've been advocating on behalf of cancer and rare disease patients for over 20 years. Why? Because I am one. NordPod is the official podcast of the National Organization for Rare Disorders. And a quick reminder before we get started, that if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps other listeners like you discover the show. Now, let's get started. Hello, friends. Welcome back and welcome all new subscribers to NordPod. On the show today, it's all about the RDAC, Nord's Rare Disease Advisory Council, which is an advisory board providing a platform for the rare community to have a stronger voice in state government. How do you like them apples? Joining us is Heidi Ross, Nord's Director of Policy, and literally your one-stop human shop to understand what this is and how you, the listener, can take an active role in local policy changes that can make life so much better for you and your community. Long story short, RDACs can make a significant impact in your state, and you, again, the listener, can contribute to that voice with resources from Nord's Project RDAC. Oh, and by the way, you're in for a treat on today's show, because I'm not really here. Sitting in for me today, as your host for this episode of NordPod, is my co-founder and chief operating officer here at Offscript Media, the one, the only, Andrew McDowell. That's me. You're here? I sure am. All right, let's get started. Heidi Ross, Nord's Director of Policy. Welcome to NordPod. Let's dive right in. Thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm excited to be here. It is a true pleasure. Heidi, would you take a moment to introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about your background in policy and rare disease work? Yeah, absolutely. I am Nord's policy director. I've been with the Nord team since January 2020, so just a little bit pre-pandemic. And prior to that, I worked on Capitol Hill for eight years doing domestic and global health policy work. I also have a sibling who had a rare disease and then as a result of his treatments has a rare immune deficiency disorder. And so it is uh, a mission that Nord has that's near and dear to my heart, both personally and professionally. And I'm thrilled to be part of the team working to make things better from a policy perspective for the rare disease community. 
Excellent. And, and for people who might not be familiar, can you talk a little bit about how the realm of policy meets the realm of rare disease? The sad reality is that I think the healthcare system in the United States is really complicated and your rare disease patient is going to find every crack in the system. And that is an unfortunate reality. And it's the responsibility of NORD and our policy team to help identify those cracks and make things better at the state and federal level for the rare disease community. We want to make sure that the rare disease community has access to treatments for their condition. But in order to do so, you've got to have a strong environment that makes sure that those treatments are affordable, that those treatments are accessible, and that uh, patients are able to benefit and really thrive even uh, while they deal with a rare disease. And this isn't something that can be done exclusively from the national level, is it? No, our healthcare system has a lot of different layers to it. And, uh, And the state you know, the state and the state in which someone lives plays a big role in terms of the access to services that a rare disease patient and their caregiver may have. So NORD has put together programs and groups and efforts and initiatives to help identify those cracks and to help to close them, uh, one of which is the NORD Rare Action Network. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? Yeah, NORD's Rare Action Network is a group of grassroots volunteers and advocates who sign up to be aware, um, made aware of policy issues that they can engage on to improve things at the state and federal level. So we've got about 17,000 advocates who have signed on saying they want to be a part of finding those solutions at the state and federal level. Yeah, and, and I think just an aside here, for everybody who's listening, Becoming an advocate, a patient advocate, uh, it's something that, you know, I, I myself, just personally, I'm, I'm, I'm the father of a, of a son who, who uh, had a, a rare disease when he was born. And uh, to me, it was a great surprise to realize that I was qualified to be an advocate for the rare disease community. And and so in your experience, do people need to go through this sort of awakening to realize that they themselves can be part of the solution? That's a great question, Andrew. And I think that everyone is qualified to be an advocate. And it takes a special type of person to realize the circumstances that that individual has gone through usually make them very capable of being an incredible advocate because they're advocating for their child, they're advocating for themselves. And then Oftentimes, they come to the realization that they've worked really hard. The knowledge they've gained could be helpful to others. And so advocating for the solutions that they've fought hard to secure becomes important to them personally. And the beauty of NORD and the beauty of the Rare Action Network is you work with other advocates to help achieve those goals. And so NORD's motto that alone we are rare, together we are strong, is very applicable in the grassroots and the policy and the advocacy space. It gives an opportunity for folks to use their collective voices to help make things better for their friends and their colleagues and their family who have gone through and are continuing to go through challenges related to rare diseases. Right on. Yeah. As we talk about the Rare Action Network today, and as we get into the Rare Disease Advisory Councils, it's important for everybody listening to know that this is directly relevant to something that they can actually take action on. And so with that in mind... Heidi, could you tell me a little bit about what on earth an RDAC is? 
Yeah, a rare disease advisory council is a state-specific entity that is focused on improving lawmaker and other government official knowledge about the needs of the rare disease community and, and their caregivers. And so rare disease advisory councils are still a relatively new concept. The first one was formed in 2015. And to date, as of the date of this recording, June 23rd, we have 19 rare disease advisory councils have been established in states. And they are a means for the rare disease community to elevate the issues that they are facing with government officials and other decision makers and to, to find solutions to those, those problems. That's incredible. Uh, why don't we talk about one or two specific examples of uh, work that some of the RDACs are focused on right now? Maybe what, what's a, bit, a big success that's been experienced recently or what are some of the major fights that we are engaged in? Well, because I'm a health policy nerd, this may not be super relatable to all of your audience, but I like to joke that RDACs, or Rare Disease Advisory Councils, are the new Medicaid program. If you've seen one state's RDAC, then you've seen exactly one state's RDAC, much like <laughs> if you've seen one state's Medicaid program, then you've seen exactly one state's Medicaid program. So they really vary in terms of the duties that the state's RDACs are asked to tackle. They vary in terms of where the RDAC is housed at or attached to. Some state RDACs are attached within the state's Department of Health. Others are attached to universities. And then they have varied memberships. Some RDACs are very small. The smallest RDAC is right now in North Carolina with six members. And the largest RDAC right now is in Massachusetts, which just had their bill signed into law January of this year. And it will have 28 members of the rare disease advisory community, which is, you know, there's value in both. Uh, there's value in all different types of RDACs. Nord is really excited about the progress that we've seen around RDACs in the last couple of years. The vast majority of RDACs have been signed into law, and they are doing really great work around newborn screening and educating lawmakers on the needs of the rare disease community vis-a-vis -vis telehealth or the, how the rare disease community was impacted by the pandemic. Some are also focused on research and bringing more resources to the community so people are more aware as to what is going on within the state and the opportunities that are available for engagement in clinical trials and uh, other research opportunities that are happening in the state. So what is an example of a big or even a moderate success that an RDAC has delivered on the policy level? when it comes to keeping state-level policymakers informed about what the rare community needs? Yeah, I think a great example is in North Carolina, their RDAC published a couple of white papers on newborn screening, which has been really helpful in educating lawmakers about the importance of newborn screening and the value that it brings to some aspects of the rare disease community. So that's been really encouraging. I think the other thing too, when a rare disease family is newly diagnosed with a condition they're often looking for a place to turn to. And so a number of rare disease advisory councils have established really robust websites that have become a really good resource for the community to understand what are what resources are out there and available. Pennsylvania has a fantastic website. Tennessee, which just had their RDAC signed into law last year, has developed a very nice website as well. 
And a number of our DACs are recognizing that a good website is a great portal into, for the community to provide input and get information out of an RDAC. Fantastic. Yeah, and it really is interesting, the experience that people have when it comes to joining the rare disease community. Speaking from my personal experience, and, and you have family experience as well, it's not something that your life leads up to in a long arc as you accumulate interests and do certain courses in school and whatnot. Instead, it lands on you. Suddenly, you are a member of this community, and you have no idea where to turn. And so putting resources out there for people that enable them to take action in order to improve the lot for themselves and for others, uh, it, it's critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I worked in health policy for seven years before my brother was diagnosed, and then he was diagnosed, and I was doing what everybody else was doing, which was getting on Google and starting to do research. And I would have considered myself to have been pretty well prepared for something like that to happen. And then when it happened, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I think that that's not unusual for the rare disease community to feel that way. And so to have some state-specific resources to guide you as you're kind of working through that diagnosis and all of that that could mean is really helpful. It also can be a tool to help understand the ways that you can use your voice to draw attention to the issues that your family is going through. And that's, that's really empowering and really exciting for a lot of these families. So we're hopefully on our way to the 20th established RDAC, perhaps between the moment that we're recording this and the moment that the episode drops. How are we going to cover the remaining 30 states and perhaps other territories in the country? And what are the obstacles that are standing in our way? Yeah, no, I think that you know, NORD is committed to working to establish a rare disease advisory council in every single state. And I think it's amazing that we've gotten to a point where the rare disease community has enabled hopefully 20 of these to be done in about six years since the first one was established in 2015. But that means that we still have 30 more to go. And so, you know, as NORD is looking through the states where we want to pursue RDACs, we're taking into consideration who in the community is willing to get involved and roll up their sleeves to help us make this a reality. We're also looking at the dynamics within a state and where, you know, what are the right opportunities and ways to pursue an RDAC. We focus very heavily on tailoring these RDACs to meet states' specific needs. And so if there is a state that is struggling or state where we know patients are struggling to access Medicaid. That might be a state where we tailor an RDAC's duties to revolve around Medicaid access, or there might be a state that lacks a newborn screening advisory committee. So maybe the RDAC should focus on newborn screening as well in that state. We also work hard to navigate the politics of these things. We know that RDACs are an effective tool. And so finding ways to show how the existing RDACs have been successful in furthering the needs of the rare disease community and increasing awareness amongst decision makers and applying those lessons to the new states and making the case about how an RDAC is not just a vehicle for the rare disease community to weigh in with stakeholders and government officials, but utilizing RDACs for state state 
government officials to utilize the ARDACs as a way to get information about the community's needs is it really should be a two-way street. And I think that's a compelling argument for a number of states, no matter how red or how blue they are. A two-way value proposition. Heidi, we're going to pause for a break now. And when we come back, we'll talk more about what it takes to set up an ARDAC. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we're back. Heidi, why don't we take on part two by discussing a little bit about Nord's Project RDAC. And would you tell me a little bit about what Nord is looking to provide to rare disease advisory councils in order to support their missions and to help them uh, scale in terms of their impact? Yeah, absolutely. So Project RDAC was an initiative that Nord launched in the fall of 2020, recognizing that there was a unique opportunity out there to increase the number of existing RDACs that are optimize the existing RDACs and increase the number of RDACs around the country. And as we discussed earlier, we're hoping to have 20 states that have enacted RDAC legislation by the time that this airs. In the last... Since the launch of Project RDAC, we've had five new states sign RDAC legislation into law in Ohio, Massachusetts, Virginia, Florida, and Louisiana. And we're hoping South Carolina will be our, uh, will be our 20th. And we actually have RDAC awaiting, uh, has passed uh, the legislature in New Jersey, too. So we may end up with 21 here in short time. 
And then Project RDAC is also designed to provide opportunities for the existing RDACs to collaborate with one another. We've held meetings and workshops for RDAC members and it's their leaders. And then we've also held some meetings for RDAC stakeholders, you know, members of the community, members of you know, patients, other advocates, healthcare providers, industry to understand what RDACs are and how they can be involved in either an existing RDAC or help support the creation of a new RDAC. And then we will have created educational resources to guide RDACs at every step of their journey. We've done a couple of toolkits and some webinars, and then we continue to provide assistance to lawmakers and RDAC members as they're working to get their RDACs up, running, and operational. So important. It, it's, it's remarkable to imagine the idea of there being 30 states in the United States where policies are being crafted in the absence of rare disease advisory councils, policies that affect people with rare diseases. Yeah, absolutely. I think that our goal is to ensure that RDACs are seen as a critical touch point for state lawmakers and decision makers as they work on policies that could impact the rare disease community. And I think that there is a real opportunity to deeply embed them within government decision-making processes. And that is an exciting opportunity for the rare disease community to make sure that their voice is being heard and utilized when making these decisions. I know that that being a caregiver or someone who's involved in making care decisions for someone with rare disease can be extremely frustrating on its own, but that only gets doubled or tripled or multiplied by 5 billion if there are policies that stand in the way of your the person you love getting the care that they need. And what I love about NORD and about the Rare Action Network and about Rare Disease Advisory Councils is that this pro you provide a very specific answer to the question, what can I do with the frustration that I'm feeling, with the energy that I have, with the desire that I have to make things better for this person that I love? And so with that in mind, if a person wants to support the Rare Disease Advisory Council in their state, or contribute to the creation of one, where should they go? What can they do? Yeah, no, there is, NORD has launched a great website. It's at rarediseases.org slash Project RDAC. And on that website, you can learn if your state has an RDAC that's in existence, the website associated with that RDAC, you can also learn where NORD is pursuing, uh, actively pursuing legislation at the state level right now. And then if your state doesn't have an RDAC, we'd encourage you to reach out to the policy team at policy at rarediseases.org and indicate your interest in helping to start an RDAC. We have a number of webinars that are coming up where we would love to help uh, educate you on RDACs and get you involved in the process and then also connect you with existing coalitions that are in development now to support the RDAC effort in your state. We also have our toolkits and our webinars from previous Project RDAC 
work that you can review to help educate you on what NARDAC is, and then you know, links to your state-specific resources on RDACs as applicable. Sounds incredibly useful. And, and should people feel at all as though they need to have some sort of arcane master's degree before considering looking to support work in this area? Uh, are there all kinds of qualifications one needs? Or is this something that uh, can be driven exclusively by the knowledge that you've gained as a, as a caregiver or as, a, or as a, a person who has a rare disease? You know, Nord believes that the patient voice is critical to these discussions. And so all you have to be willing to do is to speak up and share your experience to be an effective advocate, really on policy issues in general, but especially on RDACs. And so you don't need to have an arcane masters. And Nord is here to kind of help guide you in terms of how to engage effectively and, and help build a coalition. And, you know, we have sample emails, we have assistance in setting up meetings, we have templates, uh, letters of support that can be utilized. We have a lot of different resources that make it very easy for you to use your voice to share why creating an RDAC in your state or why supporting the policies that an RDAC is working on in your state is really important to you. So it does not have to be, you don't need a boring master's of public health or a master's in public policy to do this work. You just need, a, just need to be willing to use your voice. Nobody, nobody wants to develop the form of expertise that you develop when rare disease becomes a part of your life. But it is an expertise, and you can put it to good use for your loved one and for others. And, uh, and Nord is there with the Rare Action Network and with uh, Project RDAC to help you bring that expertise into practical impact for the rest of the country and the world. All right, Heidi, thank you very much for your time today. And let's button this up and make it very clear to everybody listening how they can get involved. What is that URL once again? What's that web address? Uh, yeah, go to rarediseases.org slash projectrdac. Rarediseases.org slash projectrdac. You can also sign up for Nord's email newsletter at rarediseases.org. And I think that, Heidi, you and I strongly encourage anybody listening to think about themselves as someone who has the expertise, the experience, the drive necessary to participate in helping the rare disease community scale its impact and get its priorities reflected in state-level policy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's tremendous momentum around RDACs right now within a number of different states, and your voice is critical. You are the only person who can tell your story, and people need to hear about the impact that state policies are having on your life and your family's life. And so use your voice to make an impact and RDAX are a great way to do that. That's another NordPod in the books. Heidi Ross, Nord's Director of Policy, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next week, folks. That's all for today. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. NordPod is a product of the National Organization for Rare Disorders and Offscript Media. 
Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Leslie Nordstrom. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Valerie Don Francesco is our marketing manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Matthew Zachary and the post-production team at Offscript Media. Our theme music is by the Salvatones. Learn more about the music of the Salvatones at salvatones.org. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make guest recommendations. For more information, visit nordpod.org.